Again, let me welcome you. It's a great thing to come on this beautiful morning uh, and sit with God's people, giving him praise and thanks, praying to him and hearing him address us. Uh, Normally I'd encourage you to reopen to that part of the Bible we just had read, but uh, we're looking a little more topically, so it may be that you want to grab one of those pads and a pencil and jot down any references that go flying by so that later on you might have the opportunity to look at them. It won't be too many. But how about I pray that God might speak clearly to us. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for the goodness of your word. Uh, We thank you that on a beautiful day like this we can come and have you address us and we pray that you might speak to us clearly by it. Uh, That as we hear and look at your word, your spirit might work in our hearts that we might live lives that please and honour the Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Does God know better than you? Not not in the sense of does he possess more knowledge than you. You It doesn't take long to reach the limits of my intelligence and I suspect you feel the same way. But is he always wiser? See, wisdom is is not just an intellectual issue. It's a moral one. Wisdom is the practical side of moral goodness. And the first of the Anglican 39 articles says, There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body, parts or passions of infinite power, wisdom and goodness. That wisdom is where we're picking up this morning. Is God really wiser? Now you and I know that we can't say, no, I'm wiser, because that would be arrogant and heretical. But that suspicion lurks underneath, unspoken. I heard a radio report of Lesotho's poverty uh, this week. Forgive me if I mispronounce the country. Uh, 30% of the population there live in extreme poverty, that is, on less than one US dollar a day. Has God been unwise there? Hearing of a family with uh, an 11-year-old whose mental capacity is still that of an 18-month-old, has God made a mistake? And those moments when Uh, The godless seem to be getting the things they and we long for, uh, despite us being faithful. Does God really know better? Yet how can we honestly speak of his infinite wisdom? This morning, in the face of doubts that maybe lurk and never are spoken, we need to hang on to the fact that God is essentially wise. In fact, he is the only one who is completely wise. At the end of our reading there from Romans 16.27, it finished this way, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. The only wise God. Uh, Wisdom is an action word. Uh, Wisdom is that that practical side of moral goodness. Uh, What wisdom does is it marries power uh, to goodness and puts it all together and acts on it. So goodness without power is simply pathetic. You know, think of the Australian government this week on uh, Japanese scientific whaling. Lots of good intentions that the Australian government have had for years, but no power, and they end up looking fools. Even more dangerous is power without goodness. You know, that's shrewd, that's frightening. That's the regimes of Mugabe and Idi Amin. But wisdom is what happens when God's power gets married, wedded to his righteousness, and it all gets put into action. So so the Bible often places in parallel 
his power and his wisdom. So uh, Job 12.13, uh, the other reading we had, started out, To God belong wisdom and power. It's a theme throughout the scriptures, marrying the two, wisdom and power go together. Uh, the more I've looked at it this week, the more sense it has made to me that the article puts it, God of infinite power, wisdom, goodness. Because conceptually, wisdom is the glue that, that holds the power and the goodness together. It's why the questions we have about God's mistakes touch on where we perceive suffering. And Paul's praise in Romans 16 that that God is only wise flows from a confidence that, that God has all the power. Only God has all the power. And only God has all the goodness. And so when God acts, it will only and always be for good. And he has to. It's essential to God to be wise. Whereas for us, it's optional. We can be foolish. See, God has all power, all goodness, and therefore has to always act wisely. We don't have all the power. We aren't all good. So there are times when we're foolish, when we aren't wise. It's not essential to us, but it is essential to God. And yet still we struggle with his wisdom, don't we? Still we look at those situations and wonder why is it that the unbelievers prosper while the faithful struggle? The wise of poverty and sickness. And we struggle sometimes to see the wisdom of God. You know, even with a verse like Romans 16, 27, we can still say, yes, but why? How do we understand his wisdom? J.I. Packer puts our problem this way. Misunderstanding what the Bible means when it says that God is love, they think that God intends a trouble-free life for all, irrespective of their moral and spiritual state. And hence they conclude that anything painful and upsetting, illness, accident, injury, loss of job, suffering of a loved one, indicate that God's wisdom has broken down. So we struggle to see the wisdom of God because God isn't the God we'd think of. And he doesn't do what we expect But some can see his wisdom, even in those hardships that cause the question, why? Dr Linda Trelaw is a nurse and she's a mother of a a young adult with a disability. Uh, She did research uh, into how people with an experience of disability uh, coped with it and how they made sense of it. To quote her, one person said to me, don't you hate God if he'd do this to you? that he chose you to have a child with a disability. Very strong words. Why? Who am I, she says. I don't have a right to say to God, who are you to do that to me? I'm his child and so is Michelle, that's her disabled daughter. He's doing what he sees best for us, even though we don't necessarily see the big picture. Most of us have a limited perspective of who we are in relation to God, even people that go to church regularly. See, there there are two types of people looking on the similar situation, aren't there? There's one that looks and sees pain and their questions and says, God's wisdom has broken down. And the other looks and says, there is the limit of human wisdom. And for both of them, the key issue is the big picture. See, natural wisdom, the wisdom we kind of intuitively think, aims for personal comfort. We think that's the big picture. 
The big picture for, for natural wisdom is ease and comfort in the here and now. And so we'll always struggle when that doesn't happen. But God's big picture is eternal glory. See, as long as you and I see God's goal as a trouble-free life here, then God's ways will always be foolish to us. And nowhere stupider than at the cross. But God's wisdom is never to make ungodliness comfortable. His is the greater goal of redemption, taking us to heaven. And so in the cross, what does he do? He shames natural wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21 for, in the, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God called, Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So that the cross is foolishness in the world's eyes. It's intentionally choosing pain and humiliation. It's the opposite of worldly wisdom. But it's God's wisdom because of the bigger picture. He is acting to redeem his good creation, gathering people back to humbly follow him. It's what Linda Trelaw could grasp when she had a humble understanding of her daughter's disability. Yeah, and that wisdom, when we look and see the cross on the big scale, we see God's wisdom, we get the glimpse in the everyday of people's lives. So a family at an old church of mine uh, weren't always churchgoers. They, they were nice. They were a middle-class Australian family. They had uh, three teenage kids, good kids. Uh, the mum started going along to church because she'd been door-knocked and decided she'd take the invitation. Uh, Dad started going to church because he wanted to make sure she wouldn't get too involved. You know, a little bit of religion was okay, but just not too much. Uh, they all ended up quite soundly, keenly converted Christians. And not least because of what God was doing in the background. Uh, the family business hit a crisis. It went under. Uh, in the end, they had to sell their house, they had to downscale. Uh, Dad ended up losing his business and going to work for someone else. But this, they, they were able to see this wasn't God's wisdom breaking down. It was God's wisdom to bring them to something better. It's not natural wisdom, but it's true wisdom. So we grasp onto the essential wisdom of God when we see his bigger purposes and goals. Two implications for us I want us to, to hold on to this morning of the essentially wise God. First is be certain about what God will do. Be confident that, that he will always do what's good. Be certain he doesn't make mistakes. So that means you don't need to fear that your life or your circumstances are a mistake. None of us have ended up with God's plan B, C, D, E, F, G for your life. I read a quote that challenged me about this this week. It said this, too many of our churches are ambivalent at best about people with disabilities. Is that us? Ambivalent at best about people with disabilities. It was in the context, I read the quote in the context of uh, the alarmingly high rates of abortion, uh, around 90% for those diagnosed in utero with serious disabilities like Down syndrome. Now, how do we view those with disabilities? 
mistake from God? Now, I know I'm touching on a a huge issue in a very small way. I don't intend to trivialise it in any way. But it is not enough for us as Christian people to, to be heard simply to condemn those who make a painful decision to terminate life. You know, if we were serious about loving them, if we, if we seriously thought God didn't make mistakes even in disability, then we would offer the, the support, the practical support that makes raising these children possible, the, the meals, the, the sharing the costs of medical care, the, the offering to you know, mind that child for a period of time. And we would be helping our society put structures in place uh, that assist those with disability, like the Kingsdean School, uh, a school the Anglican Church has run which offers full care to, to highly needy children, uh, which is actually facing closure at the moment. So if we believe that God doesn't make mistakes, then we hold in esteem those who are in difficulty rather than despising them. We look to how Jesus cared for the crippled and the blind and And we look forward even more to God's greater wisdom being revealed, the wise restoration of all things in heaven. That's the first one. Be certain about what God will do. He doesn't make mistakes. Second implication I want you to hang on to is live uncertain of what God will do. Live uncertain of what God will do. I know it's the opposite. It's a little bit clever and wicky, isn't it? Hopefully it makes it easier to remember. God's wisdom is still inscrutable to us. That means you can't put it under scrutiny. We can't know it all in detail. Yes, he reveals his big picture and goals, but the details remain a secret to him. And we need to live uncertain about some of the circumstances God will do. And we need to live thankful about that. Because God's secrecy is him being wise, him being practically good to us. So when you live uncertain of what God will do, it keeps us humble and it keeps us trusting him and it keeps us praising him. It keeps us from the trap of pride and rebellion. Now, older Christians have told me about a, a time when uh, you just got in the car to go anywhere, even a trip down to the shops, and you would pray. Pray for the trip. Uh, these days we might pray for you know, people going on that long haul four months to Europe kind of trip. But not a trip to the shops, wouldn't think twice about it. What's the difference? Certainty. The more certain about an outcome, the more self-reliant we become. Now we're certain about what's going to happen about a quick car trip to the shops in a way that an older generation wasn't, in a way that we aren't about a big trip overseas for months. Now, and I know in my Christian life, and you probably know it too, that it, in those uncertain experiences those circumstances where you're not quite sure what God is doing that the more I humbly pray the more I humbly trust him God knows the danger we face in knowing too much in becoming too wise in becoming self-reliant and proud and so he keeps his ways secret yes we know his big plan is to redeem but we can't fathom the circumstances of how he's bringing that out so the Apostle Paul wrestled with that very issue in Romans 9 to 11. Um, jot it down, it's great, great three or four chapters, read them later, Romans 9 to 11. He, he knows God's plan is to save not just Jewish people but all people and he knows God selects people on grace alone, not what they do, but he's still struggling. He's struggling to understand what God is doing with his own people, his own nation, the Jews. Um, in his uncertainty, he even offers up his own spot in salvation and says, I'd give up my spot if they'd all get in. But where does Paul's uncertainty about God's action lead him? 
Well, the climax of that is in 1133. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. God keeps his ways inscrutable so that we would do what's really wise, the morally good thing to do. We would praise him rather than ourselves. God really does know better than you and I. And so to the only wise God be glory evermore through Christ Jesus. Let's pray and give thanks. Our Lord and Father, we thank you and praise you for your wisdom. We thank you that it is not the wisdom of this world that you don't seek to make our ungodliness comfortable, but rather you seek to bring people to glory. Heavenly Father, help us uh, to have confidence that you don't make mistakes and so rejoice in all our circumstances. And Father, help us to be humble people who, when we can't see what you are doing, would keep trusting you and your goodness and your wisdom even in those hard times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.